nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard round the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, Davy Crockett, and Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. Friday, September 15, 2023. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, war. War's cool. Cool. Calm down, George. All right, guys. How's everybody doing out there today? I'm your host, Donald J. McGillicuddy, as you know me as Don Q. How is everybody doing out there today on this lovely Friday afternoon? So, what are we doing today, right? All right, guys. Let's get into the business here. All right. Don't forget, please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, Samsung Free, and all the other ones that are out there. Whatever you're listening to me on, you know what you're listening to me on. Cool. Thank you. Follow the show. Number one. Number two, share the show, please. If you're on Apple or Spotify listening to this, guys, if you could please give me a five-star, if you feel like I deserve a five-star. If you don't feel I deserve a five-star, then, you know, give me a five-star because, you know, come on. You're listening to the show. It's got to be at least a four-star, right? All right? Hello? Anyway, and while you're on said podcast app, guys, if you could please scroll down to where it says DTOM Store. Check it out. I know you're all looking. I can see people are looking. Why aren't you buying? Come on, man. I got a promo code for you. DTOM at the promo box. Get you 10% off. Buy a t-shirt. Come on. Store's not going to last much longer. I just got an email, and I guess I should have done this before I started recording, but sorry. Uh where I'm going to have it hooked up. So by Sunday when I do my next show, I'll have it set up for y'all, but for free shipping. So come on, free shipping, 10% off. What are you waiting for? All right, cool. Hook a brother up. And while you're on the computer there, check out our Facebook page. You can follow us at Facebook, Instagram, or the ticker talker at Don't Tread on America. And if you're not on social media, that's cool. You can check us out at Don't Tread on America.com. And if you would like to email me, you can email me at donq at donttreadamerica.com. And you can message me on the Facebook. You can message me on the website. You can message me. You can message me. You can message me. I don't care. Cool. Whatever. What, I'm, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm just a dude with a full-time job and a part-time podcast. I got time, evidently. Also, we're on the Twitter X machine at dtom underscore 1775. All right. So, we're going to continue on with the 9-11 theories. I'm not going to call them conspiracy theories because I don't think that they are... Well, okay. The definition of a conspiracy is more than two people, right? Or more than one person, more than two people, whatever. So technically, the term conspiracy... I'm going to look that up real quick. That's a good question. Uh, Let's see. Definition of conspiracy 
Con Spear Race C. Definition of conspiracy. All right, here we go. Secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. So when you say conspiracy theory, it has such a negative connotation like, oh my God, it's a conspiracy theorist, right? But you're really just theorizing on what you think a group of people did, right? Whether they killed Kennedy, uh, John or Bobby, whether they killed whoever, Lincoln, yeah, um, MLK or Malcolm X, or if they, you know, took out a couple of towers in in uh, New York, right? There's nothing wrong with having your own thoughts on what happened. Because I'll say this about that. Even if you believe the story, even if you believe that 19 terrorists from Saudi and Pakistan and wherever the hell else they were from came over here, learn how to fly planes by flying Cessnas down in Florida, you know, because you can go from a prop plane to a fucking jumbo jet, no problem. And you can do that in a matter of time to the point where you can actually aim two jumbo jets that you've never flown before. You didn't simulate, you didn't physically dry, fly, but yet you can aim those into a building. But we'll get to that here in a minute. So even if you believe that story, technically, it's a conspiracy theory, Right? Because the definition of a conspiracy is a secret plan by a group of Muslims, in this case, to do something unlawful and or harmful. There was a group. There was a secret plan. No one knew about it, allegedly. So, can we not call the government, in this situation, conspiracy theorist? Or, is it not a conspiracy theory when it comes to the government because of able danger? They knew. It wasn't secret. They knew. But they let it happen. So, the way, I mean, I think that's an interesting take on it. So, you can message me if you think I'm stupid or if you think I'm point on. But if I'm stupid, then shut up. So, 22 years have passed since the tra- tragic events of September 11, 2001. For many people around the world, that day remains etched in their collective memories. The attack shaped the course of history, policies, and individual lives. As we remember and honor those lost, we recognize the importance of understanding the complexities surrounding that day. Some have sought answers, some have looked for solace, and others have tried to move forward. Today, as we look back, we invite you to explore a collection of perspectives, facts, and narratives about 9-11. Whether you're revisiting old questions or encountering new information, I hope to provide a space for reflection and understanding. So, here we go. Here is 10 reasons some remain suspicious of the official 9-11 story. I'm going to call it a story. So, number 10. We're just going to go, we're going to go 10 to 1, and we're going to break them down as we talk. And I'm saying we, like there's five other people here, it's just me. So it's me, myself, and I, the three of us are going to bring it to you. Here we go. Number 10. And this is what I just touched on. Could such mediocre and inexperienced pilots, how could they have flown such powerful planes? So there are considerable questions about the apparent abilities of terrorists to fly the planes that crashed into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. Um, Remember... The planes in questions were not Cessna prop-type planes. They were jumbo jets. These were huge 757, I think, jets. Again, these claims are largely based on the quote-unquote professional opinions of various aviators rather than solid proof. So we're going to go... I'm going to take the word of a pilot who flies these planes on a daily basis. We're going to go with his or her theory because they've flown a plane one or two times. So, that's solid proof enough for me. But many believe them to be accurate. For example, various television programs, both conspiracy and investigative productions, have used flight simulators with some of the most professional and experienced pilots on record. These programs had the pilots attempt to fly the course taken by the planes that morning, especially the crash into the Pentagon by Flight 77. It is largely seen as as that an inexperienced pilot 
wouldn't have been able to negotiate and that even the finest pilot would struggle with it. San Diego pilot trainer Rick Garza is just one of many whose paths we crossed with the hijack, uh, whose paths crossed with the hijackers. Despite only teaching them on small single-engine planes, he was unable to uh, pass them. Hold on, I got a text here. Let me see who this is from because I'm having an issue with people. Anyway, um, in fact, Garza asked them to leave the training because they were completely inept. Incidentally, these two hijackers, Khalid al-Midhar and Nawaf al-Hazim, could or would go on to be the quote-unquote muscle of the unit. So let's talk about that. If you've ever flown a plane, I have never flown a plane. Okay. The thing about commercial airlines, because these were commercial airlines. If we're, if we're going to go with, okay, these were United 91 and American Airlines this and whatever they were. I don't know the numbers and I'm not trying to disrespect the people that died. And, and furthermore, let me say this before I go any further. I, I am not on the belief, and I think I said this in the last show, but I'm not of the belief that there's, I, I believe that these were planes flew into these buildings. That's what I believe. The Pentagon, I'll get to that in a minute because I'm skeptical of that. However, if, if we are to believe the official narrative that four planes were hijacked and this is what happened, um, I believe, and I said this in the last show when I talked about Able Danger, I believe that people in our government knew that this was going to happen. And like I said, I don't think that they knew it was going to happen on that day. I think once the first tower was hit, and especially after the second tower was hit, they were like, oh, shit, this is it. Okay? Because obviously at that point, when, especially when the first tower was hit, they didn't know that this was it. They, at, at, by most accounts, they probably thought it was a, an accident. And, and, and that's kind of sketchy at best, too, and I'll tell you here in a second why. But once that second tower was hit, even like I have a video, I don't know that I'll play it because it's like 10 minutes long. But you hear people screaming, people, just regular people on the streets were under attack. And the building, the, the Twin Towers were built in the early 70s, I think 71, 2, 3, somewhere around there. It was around my birthday. Or not my birthday, but my birth year. So you're talking for 30, you know, some, or no, I guess 20, 2001. So 27, 8 years, these buildings stood how many planes fly into New York on a daily basis, right? Never had an issue. So I think the first plane hitting it, I think some people were like, oh, shit, what just happened? Second plane hit it, oh, shit, we're under attack. But these people that went and flew learned how to fly airplanes, Cessna planes. So <laughs> I've never flown a plane. But from all accounts, when you're flying a prop plane versus a jet plane, no matter what size those planes are, if you're flying a Cessna versus, say, a Learjet, basically about the same size plane, but power-wise, totally different planes. Now, if you go from a Cessna to a commercial airliner, a big commercial airliner at that, you're talking, that'd be like you driving your Hyundai every day. I'm driving my Hyundai to work every day, every day, every day. And you could be a good driver in your Hyundai. Let me let me rephrase that. Let's say your 15-year-old child has got his, his or hers learning learner's permit, and they're learning how to drive. Mom, Dad, take me for a drive. Take me to the store so I can learn how to drive so I can pass my driver's ed test, right? Mm. So they're driving. They're learning how to drive. You're going to the grocery store. Take a right, Timmy. Take a left. Watch out for the car, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Then, little Timmy, after four months of having his learner's permit, of driving mom and or dad to the grocery store, to, you know, to the bar. Oh, not allowed to do that? Oh, shit. Oh, well. Um, all of a sudden, Timmy's going to hop into a fucking uh, semi-truck and go for a ride. Now, those of you that drive a semi, 
can understand what I'm talking. Now I'm not talking about, I guess I should rephrase, not even like today's semis, but like a semi from say 10, 15 years ago. Right. So let's even use the time period. 2001, Timmy, 15 year old, learning how to drive, drives mom's Hyundai to the grocery store, drives it a couple times a week, four months he's been driving. Now little Timmy wants to hop into the Peterbilt, park down the street, and take it for a joyride. Even if Timmy's driving in a Hyundai that's a stick shift, there's a better than zero chance that he does not know how to drive that Peterbilt. He might get it started based on the logic, if you drove a stick shift, based on the base logic of pushing the clutch in and turning the ignition, assuming he had the keys. But he ain't driving that motherfucker. Now, mind you, these guys didn't take off from Boston or whatever other airport these planes took off from. They were already up in the air. So they went through training class to learn how to fly. Well, obviously, they didn't need to learn how to take off because it was already a done deal. And obviously, they weren't too worried about landing, right? Because the end result was death. They didn't care if they landed the plane. So their goal in life... I would assume your goal in life, Muhammad, is to go to this training class to learn how to fly. Well, am I learning how to fly or am I learning how to crash? Because I'm not learning how to take off or land. I'm learning how to hit a building. And I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they don't cover that in aviation school. Pretty sure. And what I was getting to as far as these new planes are concerned uh, these jumbo jets and whatnot, they're built in, and maybe they were able to deactivate it, I don't know, but they're built to not hit buildings. There's devices, there's situations set in these planes to not do that. So were these guys able to go through an aviation class at the local airport down the street learning how to fly Cessnas? And somehow or another, we're able to manage how to turn off these systems. Like, how do you ask the teacher that one? No, Mr. Teacher, how do I turn off the sonar where I, where I can hit buildings? You know, how, how did that question come up? And then furthermore, these planes are set up to fly. <laughs> and much like what he was saying in what I had read there just a second ago, as far as hitting the building, I don't even understand how hard that would be. Now, you would think, okay, if Timmy gets in the Peterbilt and he gets it started, surely he's going to be able to hit a house. Cool. If Timmy gets in said Peterbilt, gets it cranked, and gets it started, and gets it rolling down the street, assuming he's able to accomplish all of those goals, how fast is he going? Is he shifting gears? Is he getting some speed? He'll probably hit a house because you don't have to drive the thing and the house is right there. But if he was hauling ass down the highway at 70 miles an hour, which chances are he's not going to be able to maintain that because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But then be able to hit a telephone pole. Well, Don, you see people hitting telephone poles all the time. Not on purpose. Not <laughs> At least you don't think so on purpose, right? And I equate the semi to the telephone pole to an airplane and the buildings because, you know, speed, size. It's not an easy task. Your, your base fear of dying. I don't care who you are. But yet we're led to believe that this is what happened. Now, let's just assume for shits and giggles, that's what happened. And these individuals were the ones that did it. And I don't have any reason to suspect otherwise. But, because even to the point, if you go back and listen to some of the tapes, the video audio tapes of that day, when these planes hit the building. Now, initially, I think people were in shock. But as people, as the day and days went by, people analyzed. And not people like me or you, but like professional, you know, analyzers of destruction. <laughs> You know, these planes hit this building, there's this burst of explosion. And then we got the excuse, well, that's why they picked these planes, because these planes were going to California, and they were full of fuel, and blah, 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 blah. 
they still had to the explosion. So then it was like you heard people say, well, maybe these planes had explosives on it. Maybe these planes. Well, how did they do that? You mean to tell me these guys were so, so able-bodied that they learned how to fly jumbo jets into plane into uh, buildings and manage to get explosives onto the planes, or us knowing us as in our government or our deep state knowing that this event was eventually going to happen, maybe even knew the targets. And I'll get to the reason why I think that in a second, too. Maybe the buildings were ready to explode. Okay. And why did building number seven collapse? Hmm? You mean to tell me these buildings were 30 years old and planes, whatever, we can get to the whole theory of jet fuel can't burn hot enough to melt steel. We can talk about that. But even if you take your focus off of those two buildings and focus on building number seven, that it collapsed because of debris happened to hit it and da-da-da. These buildings were, what were they made out of fucking cardboard and toothpicks? All of a sudden? So, number nine. Number nine. NORAD's response, or lack thereof. Given that the North American Aerospace Defense Command is largely regarded as the most sophisticated air defense system in the world, it is understandable that some people ask why none of the four hijacked planes were intercepted by fighter jets. Which I think one of those were, but hold on. Which uh, were stationed at nearby Andrews Air Force Base. This is a key area for many researchers who assert that hijackers were allowed to, un- the hijackings were allowed to unfold. This is uncom- uh, incomprehensible to some that uh, the government that uh, would not have scrambled interceptors, particularly as they were aware of something badly wrong over 30 minutes before the first plane slammed into the World Trade Center. Okay, and I agree with that. Why would you think? Okay, here's a plane took off from Boston. Oh, shit, it's in New York airspace. Oh, shit. You know, yeah, I get the first plane. (laughs) What about the other three? And that's kind of where I think they lost track. They knew something was going to happen. They knew basically probably a lot of the targets. And maybe they didn't think it was going to be as many targets. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be as many planes. The first two planes did its thing. We can have a discussion as to whether or not the one that hit the Pentagon was a plane or was something else. Um, By all accounts there, and I'll get into that here in a minute too, is, well, you look at the videotapes of whatever hit the building. It didn't really look like a plane, but hold on. Then you got the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania that was allegedly taken over by passengers and they crashed the plane. And that's a great story. That makes you feel good. That gives you American patriotism. And look at these what these people did. And I'm not trying to dance on these people's graves and talk shit about them. If, if we want to believe that story, I have no problem believing that story. And for the sake of the families of the people that died. Okay? I'm not going to go into the bullshit of cell phones and these people are probably still alive i'm not doing that i'm not going to disrespect the you know three thousand some odd people that died as a result of this because of stupid conspiracy theories i'm giving you what i think is more closer to the truth and it's not a conspiracy it is a conspiracy of theories but it's not false i told you able danger that's real i didn't make that up that's real real So we can safely say that people in the government, whether it was Bush or whoever, knew something was going to happen. Okay? They knew it. And furthermore, they knew some of the names of these people, and then these people are learning how to fly planes. They probably, much like every other time we hear about a shooting of some sort, whether it's a school shooting or a random shooting, the Las Vegas shooting, whatever shooting, how many times have you heard that Bob Johnson, the shooter was known to by the FBI. How many times have you heard that? I would venture to guess that every mass shooting that we've had in the last 10 or so years, that person was known to by the FBI. So why in the fuck are we to believe that we had no clue who these people were and what they were doing? How are we to believe that? Honestly. 
If you're on a phone call with your buddy and say the wrong words, if you go on Facebook and post the wrong things, you're getting a knock at the door. And if you're like the dude that was in uh, Utah, you're getting killed, right? Why are we to believe that they had no clue? So, I think the plane in Pennsylvania was shot down. I think enough was enough. We, we let, and I say we, I wasn't involved. We let it go on long enough. There was suspicions that this plane, they got the World Trade Center, they hit the Pentagon, conveniently enough at the financial departments where, uh, you know, they were working on budgets of money that was missing. But, you know, that's a story for another day. Rumor had it the fourth plane was heading to the White House or the Capitol. So maybe they're like, okay, enough's enough. We need to shoot that down. What about American lives? It's those 100 people or this. So I think a decision was made, and it would suck to have to make that decision, but tough decisions are made every day. So during the events of 9-11, the other main authority was the Federal Aviation Administration. Coincidentally or not, it was the first day on the job for one of the key people at the FAA who oversaw communications before he had uh, even removed his jacket. The situation was unfolding. Just by way of comparison to demonstrate how odd it truly was that no action was taken that morning, these consistently quote-unquote ready-to-fly interceptors went out on a 129 scramble mission during the year 2000, or they went out on 129, I should say, from September of 2000 to June of 21, the interceptors were used 67 times. And it's also worth noting that it doesn't take much at all for the jets to scramble. If a plane deviates slightly from its planned course or is lost contact, uh, it's only a matter of minutes the interceptors are deployed. If there's any question of whether a situation is an emergency, uh, standard practice is to treat it as an emergency. Yet on this day, when the official report into the 9-11 attack states that the authorities were informed of the situation and failed to deploy, or at least failed to deploy in time. All right. So number eight, claims of explosions and bombs. So this is where I'm getting into the whole pre-knowing. So you would ask the question, okay, Don, if we knew that this was going to happen, and we had a list of targets. So we thought maybe the World Trade, and we thought maybe the Pentagon, and we thought maybe the Capitol Building, we thought maybe the White House, and we thought maybe, you know, this place or that place or the other place. Was it a situation where we had to sell it? Okay? By all accounts, and I'll play some of these videos here in a minute. I want to get through this. i got to quit rambling. But by all accounts... A lot of people tell you those planes would not have taken out that building. And kind of like I talked about the other day, when you're chopping a tree down, you don't start at the top and work your way down. You start at the bottom. Now, granted, it'd be kind of hard to get those planes down low enough. I get it. But point being is it should not have taken the whole building down, either one of those two buildings. And then secondly, it shouldn't have touched <laughs> building seven. That's where... And then you heard people on the street, just regular Joe Schmoes like me and you, saying, that sounded like an explosion. That sounded like an explosion. Not as the plane was hitting the buildings, but after the fact. I got a tape from a gentleman who worked for the state of New York, for the city of New York, I should say, was in Building 7, had to haul ass out of there because they heard explosions. Now, this was after the tower one of the towers had fallen and the planes had already crashed. It, all this had already unfolded. He and another gentleman went in to try and help people. Then they heard explosions. You have witnesses saying that when they were evacuating the towers after the planes had hit them prior to them collapsing, there was explosions from underneath coming up through the um, elevator shafts. What was that about? So there are numerous claims that the Twin Towers were brought down by a controlled explosion. Videos and angles appear regularly on social media showing that quote-unquote proof of these claims. It isn't a new claim, however. Almost immediately following the collapse of the tower, some people were stating that the 
heard explosions from inside the building. Even some firefighters on the scene made such claims to the media in the aftermath. Of course, it is understandable that there would have been a great confusion at the time. But I think that's the best time to talk to people, not a week, a month, a year after the fact. It's when it's fresh in their mind. Incidentally, the person widely believed to be responsible for the controlled demolition theory is internet user David Roscheck. After seeing the collapse on television, he took to a chat room to state, it looks like a controlled demolition. And if we don't hear more about that in the next few days, then there's something really wrong. There were claims of explosions and bombs elsewhere as well. April Gallup worked in the Pentagon and was inside the building with her young son on 9-11. She has made no secret of her claims that explosion more akin to a bomb ripped through the building. Minutes after it happened, she said she walked out the building. Now, this is one I was going to talk about here, but it's here. So, um, Walked through a hole supposedly made by the plane, but saw no plane debris, no bodies, and no luggage. She was so convinced that the official story was a blatant lie that she attempted to take the U.S. government to court uh, in the case Gallup versus Cheney. Needless to say, she has faced numerous cases of harassment for her un-American views. Now, I heard her speak on this. She literally, first day back from maternity leave. Maternity leave, um, worked at the Pentagon. She was in the military. So she was worked at the Pentagon as a military, some sort of secretary, something, whatever she was. Uh, first day back, she was bringing her kid to work because the Pentagon has, had, has, whatever, um, daycare for their employees. Cool. Great for them. So as she's coming to work, her boss calls her. Where are you at? I need you here immediately. This is prior to anything happening. Uh, well, I'm pulling on now. Um, I got to take Junior to, to the daycare and I'll be right there. No, come right now. You need to come right now. And she thought that was weird because there's no way my kid's going to be able to get past security. But nonetheless, she tries and she's like, fuck it, I'll try. And if they say no, he can't come, they can call him and tell him that she can't bring her kid, blah, blah, blah. She goes to security. They're like, oh, yeah, no problem. Go in. She thought that was weird, but whatever. Goes into work. As soon as she goes in, hey, welcome back. I got to go to a meeting. This this is the boss, man. I got to go to a meeting. Uh, I'll be back in a little bit. Okay, so she's sitting there doing her thing, and then all of a sudden this happens. Can't find her son. Her son's crying. Miraculously finds her son in all the commotion and rubble and uh, gets the hell out of there. That's when she's walking or, you know, climbing out, her and a few of her workers. No plane debris. Now, and a lot of that has been said as far as World Trade Center. Um, these planes just disintegrated. When they, ex- they explode it and disintegrate it? I, when have you ever seen an accident of any kind? Plane, car, whatever. Where there's no remnants of anything. Right? No bodies. No luggage. No plane debris. And that's where your missile theory came from. Alright, Donald Rumfeld speech on September 10th. The day before the attacks on September 11th, then U.S. Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld made an announcement that there would be major cuts in the Pentagon to free up billions of dollars for arms and operations. He so quietly admitted that there was a $2.3 trillion that was unaccounted for. It's back to the Pentagon and the lady, uh, what was her name again? Uh, Sue Johnson, April Gallup. So she worked in this office. And these people were the ones responsible for trying to find this $2.3 trillion. Conveniently enough, that's where one of the planes went in. So there is that. As part of his overall vision, the Pentagon will run more efficiently and track down such missing monies, such missing m- amounts of money. He even stated that the old and efficient computer system that stored every transaction of government defense spending would be overhauled to make information sharing easier and more accurate. In front of the nation and international media, uh, Brunsfeld concluded that he was not attacking the Pentagon, but he was going to, quote-unquote, liberate it. Less than 24 hours later, the Pentagon was in the news again as it became the third target of 9-11 hijackers. Conveniently enough. And like I said, they hit it on the side where the building, who was trying to f- find out where this money disappeared to, wasn't, there's five sides, right? Five sides of the Pentagon. So, 
Interesting, right? So computer systems wiped out, number six. Perhaps what made the aforementioned speech by Donald Rumsfeld even more suspicious is that all hardware and all records stored there just happened to be part of the Pentagon that took the the, the brunt of the impact from Flight 77. I just talked about this, so I'm going to skip that. Other Flight 77 conspiracies. Hannah Hanjoy, I don't know. The person who supposedly piloted Flight 77 is claimed by some to have been too inc- incapable a pod to have crashed the plane so precisely into the Pentagon. God bless, my phone is blowing up. It's like I start recording and I'm the most popular person on Earth. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, especially at the angle necessary to cause such damage. Weeks before the 9-11 attacks, authorities at Maryland Airfoil, a- Airfield Question whether Hanjoy really had a pilot's license when he attempted to rent a small Cessna plane. They insisted that he take a chaperone test flight. One instructor stated that he simply could not fly and refused the rental. For the record, Hanjoy officially received his pilot license in 1999 in Arizona. In another twist, the phone calls made from Flight 77 only minutes before the crash were supposedly a sham. Instead, some truthers believe that they were uh, calls created with technology that morphs voices, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to, I'm not going down that road. All right. Number four, claims of missiles. Now, this is kind of goes into the Pentagon situation. Uh, another allegation of the Pentagon tax echoes the claims of April Gallup, who mentioned earlier uh, that we mentioned retired Major General Albert N. Stubble, Stubblebine became a whistleblower against the U.S. government. He said, I can prove that it was not an airplane that hit the Pentagon. Stubbleblind spoke publicly about his claims, although he believed the official story. He changed his mind as soon as he looked up into the Pentagon attack. He began to reveal that he believed the cover-up of the moment, monumental proportions. And I'll say this about that. If you go and watch the video, you can look it up. Watch the video, look it up, uh, Pentagon... Uh, 9-11 Pentagon attack, whatever. It'll show you the video of this thing hitting the Pentagon. Now, here's my questions. The Pentagon. I would venture a guess that it's probably a pretty secure place. I don't think just any Tom, Dick, or Harry is going to walk up to the fucking Pentagon. No bubbles, no troubles. I'm guessing. Never been. The security camera that caught... This footage was like on a five-second or ten-second loop. And what that means is it wasn't a, a consistent video. So you go to like your local fucking Haji convenience store, right? And they've got cameras on you at every other fucking angle. Like they got Fort Knox in that motherfucker, right? You would think <laughs> that the Pentagon would have at least the same capabilities at the entrance gate i'm just guessing but you see the pentagon and and how you know it's a loop is like you can see cars going through the gate and it's not they're streaming through it's like car nothing car car nothing car car. you know it's like a herky-jerky video and then all of a sudden there's the pentagon boom there's an explosion that quick so obviously it was a nice gap there's a nice little five second or whatever ten second loop video It wasn't a constant stream at the Pentagon, at the entrance, we have a shit story uh, CCTV recording capability, you know, at a billion-dollar facility. So, you know, why not? But if you do watch that and you look at it closely, as grainy as it is, I think the Saputer, <laughs> Saputer film looks better than this footage. It still doesn't look like a plane to me, right? But not to mention the fact that that bitch... Got low. It's not like it dive-bombed into the building. Like, if you look, even if you look at the video, you can see it coming in low. Like, it was almost coming in for a landing. But these are pilots that learned on Cessnas, which by all accounts were inept pilots. According to Stubberbine, Stubblebine, all the cameras around the Pentagon were switched off except for one. Authority released five frames to the public domain, which appeared... To show the plane hitting the building, Stubblebine, Stubblebine, that is a funky name, (laughs) alleged that the footage showed a missile, but the pictures were altered slightly by the U.S. government after he made his claim. Was this the bomb that April Gallup claimed to have heard? 
According to some people, the air defense system over Washington were shut down during the attack. One conspiracy website and similar television programs, several people who turn into the frequencies of emergency services for their own entertainment have stated that they heard the words, the Pentagon has been hit by a missile. Interesting. Flight 93 and the White Plane. Now, this is one I have not heard, so let's see what this is. The often forgotten overlooked plane during 9 11 taxes, Flight 93. More crucially, how did it end up on the ground? During Christmas Eve address to troops stationed in Baghdad in 2004, Donald Rumsfeld seemed to admit that the plane was shot down by American fighters. Conspiracy theories leaped onto the apparent gap as the admission in response to the Pentagon said that Rumsfeld had simply misspoken. The official story is that the passengers overpowered their hijackers and blah, blah, blah. We know that. To add more fuel to the account, Flight 93, a mysterious white plane was seen circling over Washington around or just before the Pentagon was hit and considerably after the Twin Towers had been hit. John King, the White House correspondent for CNN, stated live on air that you generally don't see planes in the area over the White House. This is restricted airspace. Then he added the Secret Service was very concerned by it. Whether this mystery plane turned, in, turned its attention to Flight 93 after it vacated the airspace or Washington is not known. We also do not know where it came from, where it is ultimately heading, or who was aboard. All right, CGI technology. I'm not even going to read this because I think this is stupid. Okay? You can say what you want. Okay? I'm going to go with the fact that New York City is not... It's not like nobody lives there. <laughs> right? I think... I think it is, or at least at the time, was the most populated city in this country, right? I think the state of New York has like, I think, I don't know what the number is right now, but I want to say it's like a 12, 13 million population, and 10 of those million live in New York City. Just to give you an idea. I think they saw what they saw. I'm not even going to read that, so we're going to go to the next one. The physics argument. Unlike the CGI video, several memes circulated on a, uh, social media with a basic statement, jet fuel don't melt steel beams. That's true. Uh, even if that happened, the claim, it surely would not have happened twice. Some experts in construction, demolition, and high-level uh, physics believe that the collapse of the Twin Towers and Building 7 a short while later was a result of controlled explosion and pre-planet bombs. Okay, so that's going to take me to this. To this to this okay this is a dude his name is bob hold on bob hold on we need to stop here okay his name is uh david chandler he's a physics of mathematics as it goes or uh, both sections are yeah, going to be uh, demolished at the same rate so by the time you've crushed up 15 stories below it the top 15 stories are also going to be crushed and so there's nothing left now to crush the rest of the building. Something of this kind is what we should have seen when the top section of the towers collapsed onto the lower one. The upper and lower now, sections obviously you can't see this video, but listen. Other until all the energy is dissipated and the system comes to a rest. What could not have happened is this. A little tiny chunk of the building can't possibly fall and crush the entire structure below it. This is such a simple, fundamental concept that architects and engineers were astonished in seeing it totally ignored by NIST. This is high school physics, and our whole society is being led to believe that these fundamental laws of physics, hard science, don't apply anymore. Assuming that the top section on the left contains enough potential energy to destroy the rest of the tower, and assuming we dropped both upper sections at the same time, which one would hit the ground first? It would be the second, of course. As it finds no obstacles in its path, the section on the right would quickly accelerate to free fall speed and maintain it all the way to the ground. Now, this is the important. section on the left instead needs to use some of its energy to destroy the structure below, so it could never achieve free fall speed. In the case of the Twin Towers, however, both upper sections fell with an acceleration close to free fall speed, as if their path had been practically free from obstacles. It took each tower between 10 and 12 seconds to collapse to the ground, while an absolute free fall time would have been 9.2 seconds. In other words, both upper sections of the towers found enough energy to destroy 80,000 tons of healthy structure below, while accelerating to near free fall speed. 
This is, as we have said, absolutely impossible by gravity alone. The law of momentum conservation won't allow it. A building cannot do freefall with a huge structural steel structural system in place to support it. Uh, the Twin Towers could, could not have come straight down through the resistance of 80,000 tons of structural steel at the speed of uh, practically freefall. That just would not happen. If, in fact, it actually hit and made an impact, it was effectively crushing anything, pushing hard on this core structure below it, the core structure is going to push back equally hard, and that's what's going to cause the top section of the building to slow down. As energy is drained away from the system to deform those members, it would slow down the descending mass and cause a descent at less than freefall speed. There is only one way for those buildings to have collapsed at the speed they did. The buildings fall at a speed uh, which can only occur if the structure has been removed, the vertical structure. The same Shyam Sunder from NIST has acknowledged that free fall can only be achieved with the absence of a structure below. Free fall time would be an object that has no uh, structural components below it. But what could have removed the supporting structure below, since the falling section didn't have any extra energy to do so? The fact that it's coming down at free fall says all of the energy is being used to just make it go straight down which means it's coming down through itself and not breaking up the building as it goes. Something else has to be clearing the way. There is only one known way to allow that kind of acceleration while removing the supporting structure. A building cannot do free fall without it being blown up. That's the only way it could come down at free fall. The only way that a building can accelerate as it collapses is by having pre-engineered, precisely timed and precisely placed explosives, in other words, controlled demolition. So, <clears throat> there you go, right? And that, and, and people ask the question, why? Why would, okay, let's assume I'm right. Let's assume Able Danger told them everything they needed to know. They knew who, how, when, what, Right? And they planted bombs in these buildings to do what they did. Let's just assume that that is correct. I believe that to be closer to the truth than anything we've heard. You have to ask the question, why? Why would, why would our government knowingly do this? Well, for the reasons that came after all of this. Okay. We got to fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here, right? Remember that? But we invade Iraq because I don't think there was any Iraqis involved, right? Weapons of mass destruction. It's more of weapons of mass distraction. Um, then we spend 20 years in Afghanistan, which, you know, <laughs> Biden fucked that up. So the buildings had to come down. The biggest city in this country, the most populated, most televised. When this happened, I remember when it happened. I was watching TV, day off, chilling, to the point where I was I don't know what the fuck's going on. Called my wife, do I need to go get the kids out of school? What's going on? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was literally like, what the fuck? And, um,. I uh, I cried. No, I'm joking. But I think that was why they had to do what they did. I think I think in the government's mind. I think in in I shouldn't say the government. I don't want to say every person that works for the government was involved in this. There's just a certain faction of people. So whoever those people are, I think they knew who, what, when, where, how. I think everything past the twin towers was convenience. I think there was three planes hijacked. One was shot down, two ended up in the buildings. I think the third situation at the Pentagon was a missile or a drone of some sort. I think that they needed this grandiose display of destruction to freak everybody the fuck out. 
Because even initially, people didn't have conspiracy theories about it. I mean, there might have been a person here or there, for, but for the most part, much like JFK, the conspiracy train has gained steam over the past 22 years. Um, but they needed this grandioso display of destruction to freak everybody out enough that when Bush comes out and says, we're going to get these motherfuckers, and he didn't say that, but you know that's what I would have said. And people are like, yeah, America, right? We're gonna we're gonna get Osama bin Laden. Yeah, America. We're gonna kill. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna, what the fuck was the name? We're gonna kill Saddam Hussein. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, what did he have to do with this? <laughs> Whatever. We're fucking killing them all. Right? Wait, who's them? Who are they? Anyway. But at the time, he could say that outlandish shit. No one gave it a fucking second thought when he said we were going to Iraq. Everyone was like, yeah, kill the brown people. Right? I mean, think about it. If you're old enough to remember that day and the, the events that you know happened after the fact, you know what I'm talking about. Whether you're in this country or another country, people are like, yeah, kill them all, fuck them. There was no reason for us to go to Iraq. None. <laughs> but it's easy sell because of the the display of destruction that freaked everybody out in this country and abroad. Then, <laughs> then, for shits and giggles, they throw the Patriot Act at you, which is still in effect. And it sounded like great right today. Yeah, fuck it. And I'll give up. How many people did you hear say, yeah, I, I don't have nothing to hide. You can go through my emails and my cell phone and you can monitor me. I have nothing to hide. Until now, after 20 years later, you're like, wait a second. You mean they can do what? Yeah, this is what you were so eagerly able to agree to when uh, when all this bullshit was going on. That's why I think they let this happen to the point where they even added an effect to it to, to make everybody, to convince everybody this is what's going to happen. As far as the Pentagon's concerned, I think that was done on purpose because it just happened to be where they were investigating this money. I think the plane in, Cal in uh, Pennsylvania was, okay, enough's enough. Shoot that motherfucker down. That's my personal opinion. Take it for what it's worth. But um, <laughs> the, th the thing that kills me about all this is... I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to play a video, and then we're going to call it a day. So there's a gentleman named Larry Silverstein. Okay? He was the owner of the World Trade Centers. Okay? Um, in <laughs> July of 2001, okay, he uh, coincidentally enough took out a insurance policy of $3.5 billion just, you know, back in July of 01, um, he went on to attempt to claim that amount twice to attacks. Luckily for Larry, he and his family managed to escape death and profit billions from... So, coincidentally enough, <clears throat> here's what they call him, Lucky Larry, Larry Silverstein. Um, just He just so happened to be absent that day from work for a doctor's appointment. He later claimed that the appointment was canceled. Oh... And rather than return to the top floor of the tower where he usually ate breakfast, he was decided to go for a walk around New York City, you know, like you do. Larry's family was also absent from work that day and escaped harm, including his daughter and son, who was running late. Lucky Larry uh, filed the claim, da-da-da. So, why would he conveniently do that in July and happen to not be there and make sure his kids, his family wasn't there? Well, maybe possibly the, the whoever was responsible for all this needed access to the building to wire because you're not going to go in there okay september 11th this is going to happen we need to be there on the 10th to wire this motherfucker up doesn't work like that especially big ass buildings like that that's something that takes a, a couple months to do so could they have started that in july started wiring the buildings we need access to this building at night when no one's there weekends holidays we need to be on your building when no one's there k5 situation 
why do you need that? Oh, because we're going to blow these motherfuckers up because we need to get some shit rolling on terrorists and we need to invade the Middle East and we need an excuse. Larry was like, well, I'm going to insure these motherfuckers for $3.5 billion so I can get paid. They're like, you do you. How can you argue that? It's just coincidentally this dude wasn't there. His family wasn't there. And, oh, by the way, four, three, four months earlier, he took out a fat-ass insurance policy on it. Hmm. Yeah. And then there's the story of Barry of Barry Jensen. Here, let me pause this real quick. Of, uh, of uh, Barry Jennings. I'm sorry, Jennings. Barry Jennings was, and I say was, and I'll tell you why here in a minute, if this will pop up here. He was the Deputy Director of Emergency Services Department in New York City Housing Authority. Okay. According to video testimony, he was eyewitness. I'm going to play that right now for you. plane went in, and of course the collapse has since then. We're going to bring more of those to you now. Barry Jennings, you're on the eighth floor. You work for the City Housing Department. Explain to me the moment of impact. Well, me and Mr. Hesch, the Corporation Council, were on the 23rd floor. I told him we got to get, get out of here. This is Building 7. We down the stairs. We made it to the 8th floor. Big explosion. Blew us back into the 8th floor. And I turned to Hesch. I, I said, this is it. We're dead. We're, we're not going to make it out of here. I took uh, a fire extinguisher, and I bust the window out. That's when this gentleman, this gentleman here heard my cries for help. This gentleman right here. And he said, kept, kept saying, stand by. Somebody's coming to get you. They, could, they couldn't get to us for an hour because they couldn't find us. You thought that was it? I thought, I thought we're dead. I thought that was it. I, I started praying to Allah. I said, that's it. We're gone. It's well, over. What was it like for you? You were inside there as well. It was pandemonium. I mean, it was something like out of uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis' Die Hard movie. Frank, go ahead. That's right. I'm standing here right now just off Broadway by City Hall with Michael Hess, who is the city's corporation counsel. Mr. Hess, you were trapped in, I believe, 7 World Trade Center. Go ahead, sir. Yes, I was. I was up in the emergency management center on the 23rd floor, and when all the power went out in the building, uh, another gentleman and I walked down to the 8th floor where there was an explosion, and we'd been trapped on the 8th floor with smoke, thick smoke, all around us for about an hour and a half. But we ran into a problem. We couldn't collect the insurance. Because the insurance companies didn't want to pay. There were 22 insurance companies defending 22 insurers who didn't want to pay their obligations under the policies. And so they took me to court. And I had to beat them in court, the lower court, and then had to take an appeal and win in the upper court. So they owed me four and a half billion. A new governor was just elected, Elliot Spitzer, an old friend who I knew well. Said, this is Lucky Larry, by the way. If you don't help me, I'll never collect from the insurance companies. And guess what? He listened, and he said, you know what? You're entitled. I'm going to get you the money. And in six months, he got me the $4.5 billion. The insurance companies didn't like me, but at least I got the money. But at least I got the money. I remember getting a call from the uh, fire department commander telling me that they were not sure they were going to be able to contain the fire. I said, you know, we've had such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull. And then we watched the building collapse. Hi, my name is Barry Jennings. Um, I'm 52 years Real quick, pull it. And then we watched it fall. That means controlled demolition, folks. It's old. Um... I've worked for, for 33 years at one location. Um, basically, I said I'm married, uh, father of uh, four. Why don't you tell people uh, your experience from the very beginning of the day on September 11, 2001? All right, it was, as I told you guys before, it was very, it was very uh, funny. I was on my way to work, and uh, traffic was excellent. I received a call. That, uh, a small Cessna had hit the uh, World Trade Center. And I was asked to go and uh, man the uh, Office of Emergency Management at the World Trade Center 7 on the 23rd floor. As I arrived there, there were police all in the lobby. They, um, they showed me the way to the elevator. We got up to the uh, 23rd floor. 
me and Mr. Hess, who I didn't know was Mr. Hess at the time, we got to the 23rd floor. Uh, we couldn't get in. We had to go back down. Then security and police took us to the freight elevators where they took us back up and we did get in. Upon arriving into the OEM uh, EOC, we noticed that everybody was gone. I saw coffee that was on a desk. Still, the smoke was still coming off the coffee. I saw, I saw uh, half-eaten sandwiches. And only me, Mr. Hess, was up there. Um, after I called several individuals, one individual told me that um, to leave and leave right away. Mr. Hess came running back in and said, we're the only ones up here, we gotta get out of here. He found the stairwell. When we reached the eighth or the sixth floor, the landing that we were standing on gave way. There was an explosion and the landing gave way. And I was left there hanging. I had to climb back up and now I had to walk back up to the eighth floor. I was trapped in there for several hours. I was trapped in there when, when both buildings came down. All this time, I'm hearing all type of explosions. All this time, I'm hearing explosions. When they finally got to us, and they took us down... All right, I'm not going to keep playing that. Explosions, that's the key. And this guy was very boisterous of what he was saying. So, after many interviews, okay, and he was in a documentary, Loose Change... Uh, a few months later, Avery contacted Jennings, who Avery is the, uh, where is it at? Uh, he was the director and narrator of the 9-11 documentary, Loose Change. A few months later, he contacted Jennings, who said that he had been receiving phone calls to his place of employment and that he was in danger of losing his job and requested that the interview not be used in Loose Change. Now, what I was just playing for you was the interview from Loose Change. Avery honored his request in February of 08. Avery did an interview with the BBC, which had also interviewed Jennings, and learned from the film crew that the real reason Jennings wanted the interview withheld was that he denies having said that there were dead bodies in World Trade Center 7, which Jennings apparently did say in the video. It's unclear whether Jennings was claiming that his words in the video were misrepresented or that he had misspoken at the time, when the BBC documentary featuring the newer Jennings interview was released a few days later, Avery said he felt compelled to release the full Jennings 07 interview for reasons he explained in his blog entry. Jennings died at age 53 in 2008, several days in the hospital under circumstances which some people believe to be suspicious. Very few details were, are currently available about the cause of death and it's unclear whether there has been an official investigation. That is one person who said what he said, died suspiciously. There's many others. You look at April Gallup, you look at Larry Silverstein, you look at these people, and you can't help but ask the question, what really happened on that day? And how much did our government know prior to the events of 9-11? All right, guys. With that being said, you guys have a great Friday. <laughs> but, I, you know, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a couple of years since I started the show. And it just had to be done. Um, so you guys have a great day. Remember whatever podcast after you're listening to this on, if you could please make sure you're following the show. And then most importantly, also make sure you share this show. If you're on social media, you can follow us at don't tread on America on Facebook, Instagram, and the ticker talker and on the Twitter X machine at a uh, D Tom underscore 1775. And you can follow us online at don't tread on America.com. Don't forget about the D Tom store guys. One month left. Check it out. Uh, other than that, I, that's all I got. You got anything else, guys? Hey, you got anything? No, 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 no. The three of us are good. All right. You guys have a great rest of your Friday, great weekend, and I will be back on Sunday.